Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Dun, dun, da, da. Dun, dun, da, da. We have a wedding episode. And there's so much information that it's probably going to be two wedding episodes, to be completely honest with you. A two-parter wedding. <laughs> we have everything from traditions, superstitions, what other countries do. And we, I think, limited it to just like European countries for now, because outside of that, there's even more stuff to to get into. So we put some boundaries on it just for for these couple of episodes. And then getting into like the whole Catholic side of weddings and origins and all that stuff. So it's a lot of interesting stuff. So buckle up for a cousin guys. Let's do it. Sit back, relax, and let us dive into the culty world of weddings. Me and Melissa are wearing our wedding vests. <laughs> We're wearing our white lacy tops. And we'll get into wedding attire as one of the topics today. But the whole journey is going to be quite a bumpy ride. We'll be with you every step of the way for better or for worse. Till death to us part. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I found this magazine article. It's called the St. James Magazine. It was out of London. This is an issue from 1871. There was this whole several page article in it called Marriage Superstitions and the Miseries of a Bride Elect. And it was some really interesting stuff in there. I pulled it up from like the JFK Library or <laughs> Library of Congress or wherever the hell I got it. And I pulled up like a scanned copy of this actual magazine from 1871. And I read it. For starters, Needles and pins, needles and pins. When a man marries, his trouble begins. <laughs> that was that was a saying that they used to have. Not even trying to hide the fact. No. Straight out. <laughs> and like, why does the man's trouble begin? Yeah. Why not? That's when the woman's trouble begins because she got married to a man. In that time, what was the year again? 1871. Yeah, they didn't care about women. They did not. Marry in Lent, and you'll live to repent. We learned that one last week. Yep. No one is allowed to come to the wedding in mourning attire. Mourning, like all black. So no black for wedding. You could wear black if you're not mourning, but if you're using black as mourning attire, you're not allowed to come to the wedding in it, which is very interesting because I am going to a wedding in about a month. My cousin's mom, who's the mother of the groom, is in mourning. Her husband died Aww. several years ago. She was asked to wear a navy blue dress. And she was like, no, I can't do it. I need to wear black. <laughs> it's the black. You got to wear the black when you're mourning. There's no, uh, there's no time frame. There's no time limit. <laughs> Happy is... The bride, the sun shines on. Blessed is the corpse, the rain falls on. 
I feel like that's the opposite of what everyone says. Everyone always says, like, oh, if it rains on your wedding day, like that's a good thing. And this says, happy is the bride the sun shines on. I would prefer the sun to be shining on on my wedding day. <laughs> Not <laughs> no the shit. rain. But even though they say rain is good luck, I don't know how I feel about that. This does not say that. This says, blessed is the corpse the rain falls on. If you're dead and it's raining on you, then you're okay. But if you're alive and getting Yeah, because you're dead already. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're okay. You're dead. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) If the bride was a maid, she should have her glove off. A widow, her glove on. The difference between maiden and widow nowadays is the bride dons white and the widow dons silver gray. And this nowadays means 1871 because that's when <laughs> this was written. So that's interesting. You know how like the the gloves were like a popular yeah. thing in the weddings? Like I think my mom's wedding picture has gloves. I used to work at a wedding shop. People would ask us for gloves and we're like, uh, I think we might still have some because it's not really a thing. And they come all the way to like your elbow, I think, or like maybe your wrist. But I thought it was really long to your elbow. I think there's both kinds. Like we wore gloves for like first communion. Yeah, we did. They didn't go up to the elbow. It was like a wrist glove and it was like a fishnet glove. They would call you like a mini bride when you were going for your first communion. It's like they were almost already like preparing you (laughs) to what to wear when you get married. Okay, so this one's interesting. Regarding your last names when you get married, to change the name and not the letter is a change for the worse and not for the better. So like for me, my last name changed, but it starts with the same letter as my old last name. And so that's a change for the worse and not for the better. Your marriage is doomed. (laughs) Is that what it's saying? Basically, it's telling me that. You had a good run. (laughs) 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to my Portuguese last name. (laughs) So the other thing that this talks about is that it's unlucky to marry in May. So one of the reasons is that May is the feast of Lemuria. May 9th, 11th. And 13th, where the ancient Romans, literally Romulus and Remus. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Romulus and Remus, the twin brothers. I think Romulus yeah. killed his twin brother Remus. That's who we're talking about here. So Romulus is the one who came up with this. He wanted to atone for killing his brother and exercise the ghosts of the restless dead from people's houses like an exorcism. The householder walks barefoot through the house at midnight. He washes his hands in spring water, takes his thumb between the fingers of his hand to ward off any ghosts and takes a mouthful of black beans and spits them out behind him or throws them behind himself over his shoulder for the hungry ghosts to gather unseen. He chants, with these beans, I redeem me and mine. nine times he says that and then the rest of the household clashes bronze pots while repeating ghosts of my fathers and ancestors be gone the householder then washes their hands in spring water three more times 
When he turns to see the results of the offering or exorcism, no ghosts are to be seen. (laughs) That's a busy night. (laughs) That is a busy night. All temples were closed. No marriages were allowed. The three days of the Lemuralia, they had some kind of ceremony in the same month, which was supposedly a substitute for former human sacrifices. It made the whole month of May unlucky for marriages. The beans really got me in this whole thing. Like you're putting black beans in your mouth and then spitting them out for the ghosts. But in classic Christianity fashion, Lemuria was Christianized into the Feast of the Christian Martyrs. All Saints Day eventually became All Saints Day. Get out! (laughs) From this bean-hunting ghost exorcism. To All Saints Day. Romulus and Remus. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Even to religion, man. (laughs) They definitely know how to flip a switch. Yeah, they just do what they want. They're just like, oh, we kind of like the idea of this festival, but we don't like that you're doing it. We're going to take it for our own purposes. We're just going to swip it around, maybe lose the beans, and (laughs) we're going to just call it All Saints Day. It's almost like the Catholics, they're just really mad that they didn't get the idea first. (laughs) Everything is like stolen. And then they're just like, we're going to trademark it, though. We're going to trademark it. It's ours now. The more I read, the more I uncover that. (laughs) And the more we don't want to be a part of it. The superstition that it's bad luck for the groom to see the bride in her wedding dress before the wedding is based on the belief that evil spirits could curse the couple if they saw each other. Okay, everything's about evil spirits. The tradition of bridesmaids wearing identical dresses is said to have originated from the belief that evil spirits could confuse the bride with her attendants if they all looked the same. Mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me, right? I like that one. <laughs> the spirit's trying to harm me and he doesn't can't even figure out which one I am. <laughs> I'm the one wearing the the cream colored dress. I'm not gonna say white. <laughs> oh, like just so ridiculous. And then so it says. However, this tradition can be expensive and can force bridesmaids to wear dresses that don't suit their body type or personal style, as you can attest. Because at my wedding, I picked out bridesmaid dresses, and I failed to account for the fact that I had some very chesty bridesmaids. Because I'm not chesty, so I didn't consider that. And so everybody was just (laughs) rip-roaring, overflowing out of the dresses. And you guys were like, this is fine. This is fine. And it was not fine. There was just boobies everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) We were young, so we didn't know any better. All right. While we're talking about attire at the wedding, let's just talk about the white. The white wedding dress is what is common. That's the tradition, right? Mostly, at least in America and I think most of Europe. Everywhere that I looked up, like, why white? Everything pointed to, like, Queen Victoria as being, like, the first person who, like, she was royalty and she wore this white dress. And it was just this thing that became tradition after that. And I looked up Queen Victoria. She was interesting. She like she she got the throne at like the age of 18 
because like all of the rest of her family just like died like all the other like people in line for the throne died that's kind of like queen elizabeth like she got it pretty i don't think she got it at 18 but she got it maybe like in her early 20s because her dad died oh yeah so this one was like it might not have even been 18 it might have been 16 for victoria so young but i was like i wanted to just kind of look if see if i could find anything about her and weddings what i came across was that homegirl married her first cousin. And I'm not sure we should be basing all wedding customs after her until the end of time. Like, (laughs) you married your first cousin. Sounds about right. (laughs) Is that what we're trying to symbolize? Hey, I don't know if this is just me being, like, naive and not really knowing, but, like, I thought we were white because, like, you were a quote-unquote virgin. Well, it's all about purity and class, classism, but I don't know who assigned it that. Like, everybody just keeps referencing Queen Victoria, but homegirl married her first cousin. Like, let's not let's not do everything she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) The priest told me that I couldn't wear white to my wedding. Because you lived with your husband, right? Yes. He obviously just put two and two together. He he sure did. We're going to get into like cohabitation and the whole Catholic side of things. But Musa did not wear white. She did not listen to him. I did wear white. No, I thought it was a, it wasn't an ivory color. I mean, tomato, tomato. Is they all... <laughs> no, I, I just because I used to work at a wedding place. So I could tell the difference with a white and an ivory. But I guess. A commoner <laughs> would not be able to tell me the difference. <laughs> it definitely was a different color by the end of the night. <laughs> and it was a third color after it sat in my closet for 10 years <laughs> before I threw it away. So me, I don't know. I don't know. No, you might have wore white. I just, I don't, for some reason, I thought it was ivory, but. Whatever it was, I wanted to give the middle finger to the priest for telling me I couldn't wear white. So. If I know myself, I would have been like, I'm getting white just to spite him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know that I cared that much. So I don't know what I actually got. I thought it was white. But <laughs> but he told me not to wear it. He suggested I consider wearing a different color since I was no longer pure. <laughs> <laughs> You're dirty in the eyes of the Lord. Pre-Cana experience with something else. Well, ooh, can't wait to get into that. There's the whole tradition too about wearing something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Did you know that there was one more line to the end of that saying? No, but does it have something to do with a penny? I don't know. I thought there was like something with a penny. It is. So it's something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. And a silver sixpence in her shoe. Shoe, yes! (laughs) (laughs) I had seen a bunch of things about like a coin in a shoe as traditions in a lot of different countries. And now I know where it came from. It's from the stupid saying. So so the old item provides protection for the baby to come. The new item offers optimism for the future. The item borrowed from another happily married couple provides good luck. The color blue is a sign of purity and fidelity. I thought white was purity. Right now. I wore a blue dress. I wore blue shoes. You did, yep. 
The sixpence of British silver coin is a symbol of prosperity and acts a, as a ward against evil done by frustrated suitors. Ooh. And then so from this 1898 compilation of English folklore, it says the something old and the something blue are devices to baffle the evil eye. It's always back to the spirits, <laughs> right? It's always tricking the spirits. It's always trying to get rid of the spirits. <laughs> the usual effect on the bride from the evil eye is to render her barren. And this is avoided by wearing something borrowed, which should properly be the undergarment of some woman who has been blessed with children. The clothes communicate fertility to the bride. You have to wear like of all the things. My something old has to be somebody's fucking quackish. Stop. So that's good to know down the road if I ever get married, you know, because if it, it doesn't look I'm like give it's going to happen, <laughs> you're going to give me a quackish. <laughs> but I don't want any kids. So does that mean I just don't have to borrow anybody's, right? I don't have to borrow, I don't have to borrow a damn thing. Just let the evil eye render you barren. I'm going to invite the evil eye in. I'm going to invite the spirits into the party. (laughs) We're always trying to ward them off. Why don't you just invite them in? Kelly has like a guest list in the seating chart and she's got like the evil eye has like a little card with table eight. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. So there's that. Someone who had kids, you got to wear their quackage on your wedding night. The same night that you're supposedly having sex for the first time with your husband. You're wearing some old period quackish. Aww. That's going to start the marriage off well. Like, I mean, you'd probably, if, you're, if it's for fertility purposes, you're going to find somebody who has a lot of kids. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of leakage going on in those quackish. Uh, thank God I don't want kids. All right. Moving on to wedding cake, just what we want to talk about after period quackish. I found something so strange called the bride's pie. (laughs) This predates what we know today as like the traditional multi-tiered wedding cake situation. So first, it used to be called a bride's pie during the 16th century to the 17th century. I can't take it serious. I can't take it serious. I'm just thinking so many different things. Bride's pie. You should not take it seriously because it's really fucking weird. I'm ready. The bride's pie was served at most weddings. Different from the modern sweet wedding cake, bride pie is savory. Bride pie is a pie with pastry crust and filled assortment of oysters, lamb testicles, pine kernels, and coxcombs which I think is like a garnish. There's a recipe book called The Accomplished Cook, The Art and Mystery of Cookery. It's from 1685 uh, by a man named Robert May. For Robert May's recipe, there is a compartment of the bride pie, which is filled with live birds or a snake for guests to pass the time in a wedding when they cut the pie up at the table. Guests were expected to have a piece out of politeness. It was considered very rude and bad luck not to eat the bride's pie. 
One tradition of a bride's pie was to place a glass ring in the middle of the dessert, and the maiden who found it would be the next to marry, similar to the modern tradition of catching the flower bouquet. I'm sorry, live snakes and live birds in a pie. This guy's been reading too much Mother Goose. <laughs> That's a hard pass for me. <laughs> Wasn't there a Mother Goose? Like, sing a song of sixpence, pocket full of rye, four and twenty black birds baked in a pie. Why are they baking birds in a fucking pie? Oh, and then what? Lamb's testicle, right? That's like the normal part of the pie. (laughs) (laughs) The oysters and the lamb testicles with the fucking pine cones or whatever it is. That's the normal part of the pie. (laughs) But they save like one little quadrant of the pie for the live snakes and birds. It just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Pass it around the table, and it's to. The purpose is to kill time. Are you guys that bored at this wedding? And like, what if you have over like 200 guests at your wedding? Is this one pie going to be enough to pass around? Uh, If you that pie comes to me and I cut it and a fucking Slytherin snake head comes out, I'm going to be like, "Uh, I'm all set. Thanks. (laughs) Keep it passing around. Like that's how it beats 200 because nobody's fucking eating a live snake pie oh it's so gross so somehow we got from this to like regular pie it went from this to like fruitcake which that's also gross too (laughs) and then eventually to like the white cake versions that we know now so you know how they do cake testing at venues (laughs) (laughs) do you think they did cake I should say pie testing at these venues. Mm, this one is a little bit too python-y. I'm looking for <laughs> a little bit more of a rattlesnake vibe, if you don't mind. Looking for more of a, just a garden snake variety. <laughs> I think there might be too many testicles in this one. <laughs> <laughs> these birds are a little noisy for my liking. <laughs> the pie they're just a little too tweety if we could just <laughs> maybe cut it back by like a dozen birds that would be good <laughs> it just doesn't even make sense what no. were they doing why were we baking birds into pies and i do have to say my travels brought me to this cookbook because of the bride's pie yeah but then i did like a little scroll up and down from the bride's pie what were we cooking back in 1685? Like, like the next recipe down was like how to make a pastry out of a cow udder. It was like chop up the udder into finely diced pieces. And I'm like, (laughs) so yeah, I'm so glad that we've gone past all that. (laughs) We're so far ahead of all that. I hope. (laughs) But I mean, it's like they were just using up every part of like, You'd look the next like recipe down and be like pig's brain. And you're like, Jesus, what is this recipe? Is there like a single recipe in that book that you could make today? I'm going to bring that book up again and I'm (laughs) going to scroll for some more recipes. Maybe I'll post some recipes for our listeners. We have a lot of chef followers and a lot of like cooks followers. So we'll be interested. 
Yes, I wonder if they've ever made a bridal pie before. <laughs> I wonder what kind of snake they recommend. <laughs> so the top tier of the wedding cake now is supposed to be saved for a year from the wedding. So in the past, the reason for that was because people got pregnant so fast after they got married that <laughs> you'd have to make another cake like the wedding cake for the christening a year later. And they were like, oh, well, this cake is all stuff that will hold in the freezer. So just save the top tier of the cake and use it as the christening cake in a year because that's you'll be having a christening a year from now. Really? <laughs> You're going to go knock boots right after the wedding. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a baby. And then you're going to have a christening immediately after. And so the wedding cake will still be good by the time you have that baby. Way to save money. I suppose. The budget. <laughs> they could not have done that with a bride pie. No, no, no. Not at all. But the pressure, right? Like, what if you didn't get pregnant within the year? Then what? it sort of evolved from using it as a christening cake to it just becoming a tradition that you freeze it and save it and eat it on your first anniversary. Did you do that? I did. So I saved the top tier of my cake, which I'm not even sure. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't eat any of it at my actual wedding. We put it in the freezer. We kept it for a year. And on my one year anniversary, I happened to be going to a Patriots game with a bunch of my friends who have season tickets. And we were tailgating. And so I'm like, well, let's, let's bring the cake. So I brought the top of my wedding cake to Patriots tailgate. And we all just like dug in together to the top of the cake. I do not think it was very tasty. <laughs> I don't think it was freezer burned, but it wasn't good. I mean. And is it like safe to consume that a year later? I assume it is. If people do it, obviously, but. Yeah, but I mean, it tastes like a year old cake. <laughs> well, let's face it. I'm not going to have a one year anniversary to celebrate. So I don't have to worry about that. But like, could you do like a six month anniversary? I don't know. Fuck it. You live once. Just eat the whole cake the night of your wedding. Bring it back to the hotel. And just, if you're going to eat, because you don't even get to eat your cake on your wedding day anyway. So just walk into the top and eat it that night. <laughs> there you go. So there's like the whole idea of cake smashing, right? In people's faces. Mm -hmm. That was like a whole thing. I don't feel like people do it as much anymore. No, because I feel like brides get like pissed because they don't, obviously they don't want like their makeup to get ruined and like, you know, get on their dress and then you're not going to just do it on the guy, I guess. That's, I feel like I haven't seen it in a while. Right. But it used to be really popular, like weddings I went to as a kid, like in the 90s and stuff like at Venus de Milo. Yes, they were always at Venus de Milo. But there was like <laughs> lots of cake smashing. I went down a rabbit hole of like, where did cake smashes start? And are people still doing this? There was a bunch of these like responses on Quora, you know, the website God. Quora. I love Quora. Yes. <laughs> it's like today's version of Axe Jeeves. So a bunch of people like answered and it feels it was just so funny. I just wanted to like read their responses. And so this this first person says, it's not a tradition. It's just an immature power and control play that gets marriages off to a very bad start. I first saw it in the early 1980s. It was always men smashing cake into their brides faces, always aggressively. Later, I saw brides do it sometimes. 
No one ever found it funny. It was a glimpse of domestic violence. One bride was so upset after her groom's quote joke, she left the reception and went to her parents' home. They didn't last a year. It's still not common and it's still not funny to assault someone you just married. <laughs> Answer on that one. People have some opinions about cake smashing. Oh my god, an assault. That's like uh so this next one says it's an immature and disrespectful act of aggression and control against a new spouse that isn't funny and disgusts the guests i don't know of any marriages that survived the cake smashing by more than a few years it was the first sign <laughs> of serious trouble i'm gonna finish reading this but i'm thinking back and like i have cousins that got divorced a few years ago and they cake smashed so i'm like so this says it was the first sign of serious trouble the fastest breakup occurred in just 24 hours the bride gently and lovingly fed her new husband a cube of cake the groom shoved a full piece of cake chocolate in parentheses they had to specify that it was chocolate (laughs) in the bride's face ruining her makeup and staining her white gown she stood there in shock as guests gasped and a few laughed uncomfortably then without a word she wiped her face with a napkin turned on her heel and left the reception hall several of her bridesmaids followed the bride didn't come back for the limo ride to the airport to start the honeymoon and she wasn't at home the groom didn't learn where she was until he was served with the annulment papers that she'd gotten from a lawyer the day after the wedding. Stupidest thing. She'd warned him before the wedding that if he shoved cake in her face, she would end the marriage immediately. <laughs> oh my god. Can we just do a whole episode on Quora? <laughs> this is so good, right? Outrageous responses and stuff. I don't really use Quora that much. It came up for this purpose, but I don't usually click and go through responses on there. Like I normally am more of like a Reddit person, but these responses are so lengthy. Yeah. Quora is like wild. Wow. So that one just straight out annulment. Annulment within 24 <laughs> hours. She left the reception. <laughs> Good. Ass. Immediately after getting the cake in her face, she was like, I'm out. I got to respect the move, dude. I respect the move. I do. I do. I know. Yeah, I got to give her that, especially because it was chocolate cake. And if you're wearing a white dress. She said, not today, Satan. All right. One more Cora response on this. I'm here for these. (laughs) This one goes off on like a little bit of a side, not a side tangent, but it's it's a little different. It's okay because we go all the time yeah so this one says i was a bridesmaid in a wedding in the 70s the couple were in their early 20s and had the usual heavy drinking bachelor and bachelorette parties the night before the wedding i hated it plus i thought it was so stupid to have a party like that the night before we were at the church and the maid of honor hadn't shown up so i was sent to go get her i found her passed out in a puddle of dot 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 well you get it i dragged her into the shower and helped her wash her hair quickly and get ready all in my bridesmaid's gown. Not a great omen. The only thing I remember about the reception was the cake cutting. The bride and groom turned and smashed the cake into the maid of honor and best man's faces. I was horrified. She was so upset, she laughed, but they thought it was hilarious. 
I was only 19, but thought the whole thing was tacky and obnoxious from the unnecessary drinking to the reception. I moved away shortly after and we lost touch, but I heard they got divorced a couple years later. Not surprising as they both seemed too immature to be married and sustain a relationship. Wait, like I thought there was going to be something there with like the maid of honor and like the groom. She was just basically kind of like (laughs) setting the scene that the whole thing was just too wild and crazy. So that's a fucking move to have your bachelor and bachelorette party the night before the wedding. I feel like that was common. That was so common back then the night before, but I could never do that now. Could you imagine going out the night before your wedding? Yeah, and like just raunchy drunk and then having to look the best of your life the next day. I want to be in my bed by 7.30 p.m. <laughs> the night before my wedding. So unfortunately, Fine, that doesn't really happen now because they don't have a bachelor party, but they have rehearsal dinner parties and those get wild and crazy too the night before your wedding look at mine somebody brought a breathalyzer mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> and everyone was like drinking as much as they could to see who could blow the highest number on the breathalyzer it was so fucking stupid yeah and then we all like go into a room the night because we were all at a hotel and we all hung out the night before in my bridal suite yeah <laughs> it was like a party in my bridal suite the night before the wedding and it was like everybody needs to get the fuck out because i need some beauty rest It's usually a smaller group of people. It's not everybody from your wedding. It's more like your bridal party. But you're spending time, more quality time with them that night because on the wedding night, you really don't really get to do anything with anybody. You're just kind of running around. So you end up going hard on your rehearsal dinner night and have to get up and like look presentable the next day. Yeah, that's going to be a hard pass for me. I want to be in bed. (laughs) I want to be in bed early. I don't know why I was just thinking all these things. I already told you. I'm just going straight to City Hall and just be like, sign my papers. I'm all set. And then I'm taking off for a few weeks on a vacation. That's my plan. I have a couple more weird facts and some troubling facts that I'll throw in for the end of this episode. And then we're going to save all of the country-specific traditions. We have a lot of different countries including Portugal, to go through for next episode and all of the catholic vibes associated with like pre-cana and wedding prep and all that. So that'll all be in the next episode. For now, I will share that in ancient Rome, brides would wear a girdle made of herbs, which was believed to enhance their fertility and bring good luck. The girdle was also supposed to ward off evil spirits. A girdle made of herbs. What? And everything always goes to fertility. Her- herbs? <laughs> so back to that. How is it? How is your girdle made of herbs? Like a girdle is supposed to be like tight. Like how tight can you wrap a freaking parsley? <laughs> yeah. Oh, everything is just. Herbs, fertility, and evil spirit. Like, you didn't have contraceptives at that point in time. So, like, how infertile could one have been to need to do all these extra things for fertility? I don't know. In medieval times, a bundling board 
was used to keep couples from engaging in sexual activity before marriage. The board had a hole in the center through which the couple could hold hands or talk, but could not engage in any physical contact. I'm going to tell you what else they were going to be using that hole in the board for. They're not hand-holding with that board. I was so flabbergasted with this because I thought it was going to say something about, like, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, a glory hole. Really? (laughs) It's essentially they've made a glory hole, but they're just like, you can only put your hands through there. If a hand can fit. Exactly. (laughs) But, like, what was the point of that, though? Well, I guess I understand their reasoning. I need to look it up. Like, I, I I need to see a picture of the bundling board. If you're putting your hands through, the man can certainly put his penis through. Like, what is, what is the point? Like, that's what I'm trying to understand. Oh, my God. Okay, so I don't know what I was picturing. But <laughs> it's I'm okay. thinking of a board with a hole in it. And they're holding it with their hands pretty much. So it goes in the bed. It's a plank that goes like directly down the center of the bed, like a, a big wooden plank to separate the two sides of the bed. That's not what I was thinking. Not what I was picturing either. So at that point, why just not get two separate beds? And like, if you truly were like, okay, like this is something that we're going to do. We're going to abstain until we get married. You don't have the mental capability of just being like no i'm not going to do that you need this board which does nothing because you just climb over the board it's like (laughs) it's like six inches tall and it has a hole in it you don't even have to climb it if you don't want to (laughs) if you were getting particularly frisky (laughs) i'm going to show you a picture of it look at this look at it Oh my god, a bundling board or bundling sack may make an appearance as it takes the form of contraceptive for a bundling couple. A bundling board was a large plank that was placed between the couple and the bundling sack was a sleeping bag that was sewn up in the middle. (laughs) My. Those pictures, though, like, that I can see through the Zoom, they look like they are still, like, is this still a thing? Some Amish may still practice it. But I'm surprised that they're in bed together. That's the part I'm thrown off about. It says the tradition is thought to have originated either in the Netherlands or the British Isles and later became common in colonial United States, especially in Pennsylvania Dutch country. It's associated with the Amish as a form of courtship, bundling or bed courting. Traditionally, the practice of courtship involved two young adults, often betrothed, who spent the night in bed together under the parental roof to ensure compatibility and accountability. A bundling board or bundling sack may make an appearance as it takes the form of contraceptive for a bundling couple. Periods of popularity for the practice of bundling often align with eras of enhanced social position for women, as this custom afforded a high level of protection against premarital sex. You're going to tell me just the presence of a two-by-four in your bed? (laughs) It's going to stop you. <laughs> They're also under the home of, I'm assuming, a parent, right? They're under the roof of a parent. The custom of bundling, which became common in New England in the 18th century, 
was used to certify that an unwed father was held accountable for an illegitimate pregnancy. What? The courtship practice would ensure that there would be witnesses to certify any intimacy that took place. Within the 17th century, courts were more willing to accept a woman's testimony that a specific man had fathered her child. What is he, the guy going to court and be like, no, I didn't father that child because we had a bundling board. In between us, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am just in shock. This board isn't like permanently on like in the bed. Like you can remove this board or you can, can't you like get out of bed, walk around the bed and get to the other side? (laughs) This is so infuriating. Stricter standards came out in the 18th century when the court officials wanted evidence in support of the woman's allegation, which could be difficult to obtain. If a couple had sex in secret and the woman became pregnant, no witness of the relation would have taken place. Yeah, the witness is the woman telling you it took place. Right, yeah. Oh my God. Wow. The movie The Patriot, Mel Gibson movie, Keith Ledger's character, In the 2000 film, The Patriot is bundled when he spends an overnight visit at the home of Anne Patricia Howard, the girl he is courting. I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie and check out their bundling setup. (laughs) Wow, that was interesting. In the early days of the United States, it was not uncommon for couples to get married in their sleeping clothes. Oh, I like that. The wedding ceremony would often take place in the couple's bedroom with the minister officiating from the doorway. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> in your pajama. <laughs> just in your pajama, in the bed. Upad comes to the door. That sounds lovely. <laughs> in comma. In comma. You think I can get that so? I don't know that I would invite a priest <laughs> to my bedroom, but... <laughs> no, I know. Maybe, like, a, I'll have a friend that can officiate it for me. I mean, that does sound pretty amazing. Oh, awesome. I don't know why we ever got rid of that. So the last thing that I will put in this episode is something called the marriage bar. I did not know this. A marriage bar is the practice of restricting the employment of married women common in western countries from the late 19th century to the 1970s 70s 1970s the practice often called for the termination of employment of a woman on her marriage especially in teaching and clerical occupations further widowed women with children were still considered to be married at times preventing them from being hired as well the practice lacked an economic justification and its rigid application was often disruptive to workplaces However, marriage bars were widely relaxed in wartime due to an increased demand for labor. You could not get a job if you got married until like 1970s. I have no words. Isn't that insane? Why do they hate us so much? It was illegal to work once you got married because then they said, oh, you have a spouse to support you now. So now you have to stop working. Because you're taking away the jobs for everyone else who need, like, the the single woman need a job. You don't need a job. (laughs) So illegal. And then during wartime, when all the men are at war, they're like, oh, just kidding. You can come back. You can come to work. 
It's so fun. We need you now. How screwed up is that? Yeah, and back then, you're totally fine on living on one income also, too. Well, maybe. I have no idea. (laughs) Women who wanted to work had to hide their marital status. So fucked, yeah. And then the fact that a widow was still considered to be married and they wouldn't let them work. Like, they need to feed their kids. So in that case, what do they do? Have, like, maybe their oldest child could get a job? Homegirl's going to be waiting a while for that. <laughs> That's that. I did not know that either. Wild. Is that why, like, housewives, is that why it was, like, housewives, like, in the 50s? Because, like, they couldn't. They couldn't fucking work. work. Yeah. It was illegal. Oh, my God. The more you dig, the more you uncover. And it's just so depressing. Like you just said, like, okay, the 50s housewife trope was, like, a thing because there was all these housewives because they weren't allowed to work. Then they started marketing agencies, marketing towards like the housewife and the doing the dishes and doing and, like yeah. all this like sexist shit. And like, oh, it's just so depressing. My whole thing on that is like, if the husband dies, like, then what? Is that company going to like support you? Like your husband's company, like, oh, your husband died. So we're going to take care of, you know, we're going to just send you a check every week or every month. Like, what, what's, what do you, what's the plan there? just like lose all faith in humanity when i go down these rabbit holes (laughs) i guess i just never realized it was illegal i always just thought it was the husband's made enough right housewives quote-unquote housewives could just stay home and take care of the home and the kids is really what i thought it was like i thought a husband just like made enough like one on one income was fine and clearly it was but to make it illegal that's next level shit. What if you had spent this money at the time for your like career? What if what if you became a nurse and then you get married? Can't be a nurse anymore. No. Like you're just like okay, you got married, so you you no longer can be a nurse. You lose your license, or whatever. Maybe you can keep your license. I don't know, but you just can't practice it. So all this time that you spent in school, right? The fact that it's specific to women. What if the woman had the better job and ability to earn? Like, it wasn't like it was just like, oh, when two people get married, one of them has to become the breadwinner and one of them has to stay at home. It was specifically women. They didn't have a choice in the matter. What if your husband was a freaking deadbeat and had no skills? What if? Your husband just pieces out on you and, like, gets another woman pregnant, gets your best friend pregnant, and wants to be with your best friend. Then what? <laughs> Can you get a job? No. You're not married anymore. He's still alive. He's not dead. Well, if you get a divorce, maybe. A legal separation, maybe <laughs> it could work. But, oh, just depressing. Yeah. We're going to end this on that depressing note. And then we are going to be back and picking it right back up with all kinds of cultural customs from different countries for weddings and diving into the Catholic position on a lot of wedding related things. So we will see you next week with those lovely topics. Thanks for listening, guys.